welcome everyone to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast and our Facebook podcast platform. Our listeners on our FM station in New York. And welcome to our listeners on our two Philadelphia radio stations. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. We have an awesome show for you today. So let's get started. Amorous Pollock, introduce us to your fabulous guest. Hi, everyone. I want to introduce you to Gen- Chef Jennifer Zavala. She is the owner of Juana Tamales in East Pashyunk, um, or off of East Pashyunk Ave. And she is doing a chef in residency at Volver at, at the Kimmel Center. Um, chef Jennifer, welcome to our show. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for, uh, for joining us. Um, so... I actually have followed your your his your walk in the culinary world a little bit because I I was first introduced to you with your food truck, um, and I know that that's how you got started. So, what was that like starting you know from the ground up with the food truck? Because you weren't you know the big like fancy food truck. You you were the cool food truck that pulled up you know all like almost like your your van was tatted up. <laughs> well, you know, uh, so I had two food trucks at one, at one point shortly after I stopped working in restaurants, I got, when the food truck movement started happening here in Philadelphia, I had jumped on the bandwagon with that. I had a hot pink short bus. Um, I tried to go, that was a legal route that I went. Um, food trucking is really challenging. Um, you know, I was a little bit naive thinking that you could just pull up to any street in Philadelphia and sling some food. Um, so after kind of, after doing the legit way for a little while, I decided to take my husband's punk rock van and just sell tamales out of a cooler around Philadelphia, um, which has been an experience, right? Which has been, uh, <laughs> it's had its ups and downs, of course. But yeah, that was, it, it has been wild. And I think from the beginning of even doing any of those things, uh, sometimes I just, I don't grasp how big these things have gotten. You know, uh, selling tamales out of a van was not something I thought would grow as much as, as it did. I didn't think people liked tamales as much as they do. So that has been a pleasant surprise each and every day that I did it, which in turn brought me my own spot on East Pashyunk Avenue. Which is very, very cool. Now, along the lines of your culinary path, you also, I saw, um, worked under Chef Jose uh, Garces and um, at Amada. So what was that like, you know, working for him? And, you know, were you able to, what were you able to to learn while working under his, his whole group, I should say, because <laughs> he's got a lot of restaurants. Yeah, he has a lot. You know, that is the mothership of Garces 
Cigars organization. And that was working at Amada was really the first real restaurant that I worked at um, when I moved to Philadelphia because I really didn't know. You know, I'm from New England. I grew up in Connecticut and I was coming from Jersey City into Philly. And, you know, New York City and South Jersey, Philadelphia are two different beasts. And when it comes to the culinary world, you can work on the same block as, you know, for 15 years as other people as a restaurant and not know who they are. Philadelphia, I learned, is a, is a really big town, right? And I had no idea who Jose Garces was when I initially moved here. Um, so to get a job there was really at the height and the peak of his, like, Iron Chef yeah. um, tenure. So it was really, really, really intimidating. And I was, I was very welcomed, for sure. And, and, you know, no one was difficult to work with. It was an amazing experience. But I myself was extremely intimidated by that because, you know, he was on the Food Network doing amazing things. And then to be standing in one of his kitchens was, was overwhelming. I mean, I had to work the grill station. And it was no joke. Amada is still very much extremely busy. And I, I don't think I was prepared for, you know, just the power of him and his presence. And at the time, um, Chad Williams was the chef there who now owns Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Chef Lamont was a sous chef who has done some things in the barbecue circuit and now is a full-time dad doing his own thing. So, you know, that was, it was, a, it was a wonderful introduction to Philadelphia. And I really got to see the power of the culinary presence here um, once I started working there, for sure. Now, <clears throat> when, when you opened up your restaurant, um, did, did, Jose Garces did the group did Jose Garces's group um reach out to you um for to become one of the chef in residencies um to be highlighted or was that something that just um kind of like came about of a conversation like a cross paths and hey I was thinking about you so it kind of happened whimsically uh, um one of my friends um, works in the Garces organization and had kind of mentioned to me that my name came up during the, uh, during the process of coming up with this concept and how would I feel about that? Uh, overwhelmed, right? Because again, I think for myself, I really don't know I get how big of a person I am in Philly, right? I know you know, I'm, I'm very humble, so that makes me a little uncomfortable to talk about. But I also have to remember that I'm a face tattooed crazy Mexican girl in South Philly. So, you know, I've done some things in the city that how could you not know who I am? So I, I forget that sometimes, right? Um, because my I'm a mom and, you know, I still have to take the trash out here and my kids don't think I'm anything. So I'm it keeps me humble, but I also forget. So to have my friend reach out and say, Hey, your name came up at the table Me, I I was extremely surprised and overwhelmed and when they had mentioned to me um, what that would look like, I, I jumped at the opportunity. Yeah, I got unoverwhelmed and said, wow, that to even be considered if I didn't get through the process all the way was a huge honor, and I felt extremely touched to be considered. Now, for everybody who's listening, I know that, you know, obviously, like, you've worked for him and worked um, for the, you know, Garces group. 
But um, what can you tell our listeners what the Chef in Residency program is? Sure. So the Chef in Residency program is kind of like um, how I like to describe it is like a pop-up within Volver, where you have different chefs featured um, that live in the city of Philadelphia who are starting new ventures or who are just looking for a little bit of a push to get into the next stage of their career. So, uh, you know, Kiki Arnita was the first chef. She used to own Koi Dog in Rittenhouse. And now she is taking a different direction and doing things with her sauces. Um, to be able to sustain her name and to keep her Koi Dog brand out there, you know, it's, it's been really challenging, especially with the pandemic hitting. So this came at the perfect time for her. And she, you know, she was the first chef to do it. To be able to uh, see the diversity in her products, that she has like different sauces and, you know, her style of cuisine, which is Japanese Hawaiian. And it just kind of gives you a boost and a push. I mean, Jose Garcia is a big name and a big reach and many restaurants. So to have her name come up, you know, in the Kimmel campus, you know, during, you know, you go to get a show and you go to pre-theater is, it's pretty great. And, you know, getting to do interviews such as this and the one with yours and getting to, you know, meet different people that come in, um, to the, to Volver from the um, campus just offers you, you know, kind of, how can I say like the next level, right? So each chef needs something different. So Kiki starting a new venture uses Jose's platform, which is a huge, huge opportunity and can do with that what she will. Uh, the following chef um, with the chef before me, which is Jezebel. She has Jezebel's cafe. She, um, She's been doing a lot of grassroots stuff and, you know, getting her purpose out there. This platform and relationship with Jose has been wonderful for her. Um, same with myself, you know, as I am currently the chef in residence, residency, uh, I just opened my place. So I am five months open coming out of a pandemic, which, you know, I'm insane to do it. And to be able to kind of have this, I look at it as like Jose as my wingman to help guide me through some pretty challenging moments when you first start doing this and to help sustain my sanity, right? Because COVID, I think, you know, I knew a lot. I mean, I've been cooking for, you know, 26 years and I've done a lot of things. And, you know, I was really naive to, to think, oh, I could just open a restaurant and cook and do the things I used to do. Um, one, the world has changed a lot. And to open a business during something like that with inflation and staffing, like all of these like perfect forms of things happening right now to our industry, um, I really don't know anything. Really, that's what it's come down to. And having Jose, if you will, mentor me through that really will offer me, you know, an education that I wouldn't have been able to get prior. I would have really had to struggle through to kind of push myself keep going but he's an extremely you know smart businessman a very 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 kind person extremely smart and so even the little bit of time that I would spend with him here or there has been a huge asset to really keep me going and to help me see the light at the end of the tunnel right yeah stages to doing this and I believe that Jose in his career has experienced every stage and the guidance and the 
the um, the kind of mentoring is has been an asset and worth everything for sure. And and I'm sure that aside from everything that you can learn, was it like a homecoming too? Because you know coming back into a kitchen that he you know that is under his hand um was that like a homecoming to you it was it was in the sense of like i said when i first started to work at amada i was you know a lot younger (laughs) and uh definitely not as seasoned as i am now and you know the philadelphia culinary scene is extremely challenging competitive and grueling right um, in the best ways and the worst ways. So at the time going to work at Amada, I really wasn't as confident in myself as a cook as I am now. So I feel like um, getting back into, you know, his his vision, if you will, like in his radar is allowing me the opportunity to say, I'm a lot better than I was when I worked at Amada. And, you know, more confident in what I'm able to do. So to be able to, one, show him my new confidence, if you will, and also do food at his place, which, I mean, Volver is amazing. It's a beautiful, beautiful location. Brand new, yeah. It's a a gorgeous location, a perfect location. Yes, it's gorgeous. And, you know, with the Kimmel campus, getting to see just like the hub that goes on in there is, you know, I don't think I would have been able to do it early on. Um, so I'm grateful to be able to come in there now more confident and also, you know, with the support of Jose and his staff. So uh, it feels it feels amazing. I don't feel like I'm going to fail. I don't feel like I'm going to do anything wrong, um, you know, as, you know, to when I was younger, which was, you know, feels like a million years ago. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a million years ago. You're still very young. Um, now, why don't we delve into your menu that you're going to be offering at Volver? Yeah, so I am really, really, really excited about my menu. Um, everyone has something different. And, you know, I, of course, being the gen that I am, wanted to be just a little more different than everyone else. Um, super, super awesome stuff that I have there. One of the things I would say that I'm most proud of is I have, you know, at my place, I do tamales, which is in the name, Juana Tamales. (laughs) And I wanted to be able to really kind of take all of my time in Philadelphia and all of the things I believe in and put it on each one of these plates. And one of the things that is most important to me is, you know, um, local farming, supporting your local farmers and sustainability and resources. I have a friend, a family um, of farmers that I asked to grow a couple, I thought they were going to grow me a couple of stalks of corn. And they ended up growing me like eight acres of this Oaxacan green corn, which is exceptionally beautiful corn. It's all organic. And, you know, I have 800 pounds of it. I didn't, I really only thought I would get like 10 pounds, but he's, you know, an amazing farmer and they have wonderful land and it produced like a huge crop um they grow other other heirloom corns like uh jimmy red corn gem black corn and um a couple other varieties so to be able to take that and have it ground up specifically for this dish for my tamale dish um at volver is is really 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 exciting to me 
um, the color is just beautiful. And, you know, I'm the second hands to touch it. And now Jose's team is the third. And so to put it, to go from all of that to put it on the plate, it just, it really means a lot to me. And, you know, it's the name of my business, is Juan and Tamale. So um, that has been extremely exciting to, to show my local support. And also, you know, really funny, you know, I did, I grew up in Connecticut, but I am, I was born in Billings, Montana. And, you know, people always get a kick out of that when I share that with them. And uh, in, in Mexican culture and Mexican food, especially like Mexican street food, like jellos are really big, like mosaic jellos. And coming from Billings, Montana, right, the Midwest, jello salads were like a thing like my family always had jello salads which is like well my favorite one was lime jello cottage cheese pineapple and walnuts it's i know it sounds crazy but it's it was really it's really really good and (laughs) (laughs) i was like you know what my menu needs is jello so to be able to sit it was really intimidating i'm not gonna lie to sit with these extremely talented pastry chefs you know shout out to chef marcos I'd be uh, like, and say Jello. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "How do you feel about Jello?" And he just he looked at me like I was crazy. But uh, and just to tie in with that, you know, they have um, Chef Nate, who's really been awesome, kind of helping me kind of translate my dishes. You know, Orville there. Um, I was like, "Hey, I'm not the best at explaining this. You know, I'll make it for you, but to like reference the." cooking process let me show you this youtube video and there was this youtube video on the hillbilly kitchen and i said <laughs> you know here i am i'm like these people probably think i'm crazy I'm, I'm referencing the hillbilly kitchen i'm like wanting to put this stuff on the menu and you know what it never felt uncomfortable like they were always like yeah let's do it jen and now to see it on the plate and see like what it's what it's become and how it fits into Volver, and it still is very much on brand with who I am, was extremely exciting. And it was kind of funny to, you know, to, to ask them. <laughs> to bring <laughs> that up. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but anybody who's ever been a child, which is everyone, um, you've had Jello at some point in time, and you ha- it's a special. It holds a special plate and place in our own hearts. So, I I more power to you that you were like, you know, four star, five star restaurant, yeah. <laughs> Billy. Let's throw some Jello in. <laughs> I mean, I would I would just like to clear up that it is not the Jello brand that I would prefer. <laughs> it definitely like started from scratch and you know he made you know he's French so he did like a jelly and did all everything from homemade so you know uh it was funny to to kind of like ask that and not once you know I I almost said hey if you don't want to do it that's fine we don't have to do it and he was like no then I'm so excited about this and now to see it on the plate like I was telling everyone it looks like you know, Philly's known for, like, the mosaic, right? Like, one of the things I noticed when I first ever came here was, like, driving around the city and was, like, who's putting up all these, like, mosaics all over? And, mm-hmm. you know, um, on the plate at Volver, when you're sitting there and, you you know, you get to the last course of your tasting, it, it really looks like an Isaiah Zagar mosaic on the plate. And I couldn't be more proud. And for me, I think that really shows... Uh, you know, both of us together, kind of what we came up with. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty proud of this thing. So that's that. I'm 
happy that you that you have something that you can you know that everybody's going to enjoy too because who doesn't like dessert absolutely <laughs> i know right. i don't know anybody who wouldn't dig into dessert um now as far as some of i don't want to step on your toes but no, i on. i'm familiar with volver i wrote about it in my book uh table for one barnes and noble uh so and i'm familiar also with the great uh, very kindness of chef garces because when i dined at volver he actually put a signed copy of his book in my bag, and I gave him a signed copy of my book. So I can attest to both. Volver is by far the best fine dining spot in the city. I've been to all of them pretty much, and I just was blown away by the experience uh, that I had at Volver. And uh, and I can attest to the great kindness of Chef Garces. He was so supportive when my book came out. So I just want to make that point. Um, yeah, I mean, not only is it a beautiful place, right? Like you can get, you know, a phenomenal meal there, but even just to come in and have a cocktail, at absolutely, bar, you know, to sit down. The staff is is you know phenomenal and you know very hip and chic and welcoming. And, and what I liked, you know, it was a whole experience. It wasn't just yeah, a, it, sure. it wasn't just a eating. It was like an it's like an experience that you uh, you know with your meal. It's amazing. And I feel like every everything everything that he's done is has been like an experience. So Absolutely. you know, um, now I want to also mention the fact that uh, you have, I mean, everybody. This is going to air t- um, uh, at some point in time tomorrow morning. You're going to stream it, um, but Taco Tuesdays is a thing. Um, you have on the menu at Volver a duck fat. Um, <sighs> yeah. Um, yes. So why why don't you tell a little bit about the savories and in your vegan options too um, that are available at Volver? So uh, one of the things I definitely you know a lot of people know me for you know obviously the tamales but you know at my shop I do I do tacos which are you know some of the best sellers that I have on my menu. So I wanted to do I wanted to you know still be Jen on a plate. And, you know, uh, there is a thing called tacos campichano, which is mixed, right? You can get steak, pork, and chicken all in one taco. And, and we might have assumed that people might have a little bit of a challenging time saying campichano. So that translates into friendship tacos. And in the friendship tacos, you get um, jumbo large shrimp. There is a duck fat carnitas which is something that i've made throughout my career here in philadelphia which i'm really proud of and um filet with a chipotle salsa um and then some of the other items that i have on there are a chili relleno which i did uh you know i was on top chef season six las vegas i was, a lot of people know me being on that season with jen carroll and casio brothers and this was in 2009 and I had opened in Northern Liberties, El Camino Real, which I think, you know, a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah. And Craig LeBan had come in. I got a one bell review. Okay. Oops. But still, the, the one thing that I held on to was that he really liked my chili relleno. So when I went on to Top Chef, um, I did this chili relleno, which was vegan. And I did horribly. I went home for some <laughs> season. <laughs> um, and I haven't made a chili relleno since, but 
uh, I figured this would be the most perfect opportunity to kind of like reintroduce a more precise, definitely better plated Chilarino. And so um, I have a really big vegan following here in the city. Um, you know, I'm particularly plant-based and I have a lot of plant-based off offerings at my restaurant. So I wanted to make sure to in stay on brand with myself, but also you know, to show that, well, there also does that. Like, they also have a big, you know, plant-based um, items on the regular menu, and they can accommodate really any dietary range. So to put my uh, plant-based option on there, which is vegetarian and can be made vegan, and to feature a few other items, which I have um, this uh, Mexican broccoli tortita, which is, um, the Mexican broccoli, if you will, is called Juanzonte, and it is native to Mexico, and it looks like it looks like a stalk of broccoli, like just the florets, not the like thick stalk that they normally have. And it has, does like, it a, grow like that? It grows. It doesn't grow. It grows like if you would look at it, you would think it was some broccoli, but something was wrong with it. Like a cross between like broccoli rob has like a longer stalk with yeah. the florets. You would think like it didn't get watered enough because it's just the florets and no thick stock but you pull those florets off and they have such a, a um it's kale and broccoli rob had a baby oh it's kind of how it tastes the little texture has like a chew to it um and so i have that on there with um queso azteca which is like a mexican ricotta and goat cheese and a piquillo pepper sauce which um, I made many piquillo peppers, stuffed piquillo peppers at Amada. So this was my kind of tribute to uh, my time there. And it looks like a Mexican flag on a plate. You have red, the green uh, tortita, and the queso azteca cheese. And one of the other dishes that I have um, on there, which is a corn ice cream. It's just like cereal. It's amazing. Corn and honeycomb ice cream uh, is phenomenal. So... Yeah, I that is not vegan or plant based, but um, luckily for me, anything um, any of us chefs in residency offer, and as well as their standing menu, can accommodate really any dietary restrictions. So, Which I wanted is... to pull, I wanted to pull my kind of crowd in there. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, I know for myself, it's a little intimidating to go into these places, right? And so I wanted to make sure I had offerings that motivated people to want to come in there, like. You know, especially people who have never been in there before, to know that there are plant-based options, there are gluten-free options here, and once you get into the door, any kind of hesitation or trepidation goes away because the staff is so warm and welcoming. And yeah, it's very on brand with who Jose is. It's a very warm and welcoming experience, and extremely fulfilling. So. Really quick before we have to let you go, um, I want you to talk about the fact that you have um, a secondary uh, foundation that you, that's going to benefit from your uh, chef in residency program appearance. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, every chef, so how it works is, um, so every chef in residency, you know, not only gets this huge opportunity to share who they are as a creative and as an artist on a plate, but um, Jose will match up to $5,000 of the donations that we would get from patrons coming in. So for example, if you, when you come in and sit down and you have um, a wonderful meal, when you get your bill, there is um, in the check presenter a little bio that explains who each chef is 
and what they are looking to use these funds for. So I know that Chef Pila, who was the second chef after me, is looking to use this money to open his first restaurant. Um, Kiki Arnita is going to continue doing her thing and become a bigger brand. Um, myself, I've just opened a place. And so, you know, inspired by Jose, when you come in and you see the, the check insert, on the back of that check insert is an option for each guest to make a donation if they would like, whether it could be $5, $50, you know, nothing too small. Um, each chef gets to do with that what they may. And, you know, taking this opportunity and being so inspired by Jose, I've decided to donate my money back into the community. Um, the organization that I'm looking to donate to is the Fletcher Street Riding Club, um, which is uh, one of like four or five in the country black owned equestrian um, riding clubs. And I feel like that's important for Philadelphia to sustain that history and, you know, keep that, keep that going. And I'm looking forward to, you know, I'm very competitive. So I'm looking forward to really, you know, presenting them with a good amount of money because one, my ego and two, it's so important for them who does a lot with the inner city youth, which I feel is really important, especially in it is very important. Now, I know that your your re- chef in residency program is running from March 16th until May 1st. Um, May 1st. Exactly. And then where can our listeners find you outside of that on um, social media? And where is, you know, let them know where to find you at for your restaurant. So my restaurant is at 1941 East Oak Avenue. I'm right at the entrance of Oak Avenue when you enter. Uh, there is parking. um and you can follow me on instagram i'm at wana tamale um or my personal instagram which is bucky lady chef which a lot of people say whenever i go out i was at the grocery store before this um, (laughs) like hey follow you on instagram and i'm like oh no yes i have a a big instagram following and uh so yeah so those two places i'm most of the time I'm, i'm always at work so even if you follow me on instagram I won't see it for hours later. Just come in. <laughs> come in and eat. Come into Volver. If you come into Volver and just eat and have a cocktail, you can see all of my information there. And, yeah, I'm there. I'm at Volver on the weekend when I can. I'm just going in. Uh, you know, Jose says, you know, Jen, this place is yours. Like, mi casa, su casa. <laughs> so... I try to boss everyone around and they just kind of laugh at me. So. <laughs> so I'll show up on the weekend to say hi. But until then, I do need to let you go. So thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you, Chef. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> okay, let's take a break and we'll be right back. <laughs> To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time, an FM station in New York, and to the millions of Facebook users worldwide with access to the Facebook mobile app. Send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or diningonadime at yahoo.com. Hi, everyone. I would like to introduce you to Miranda Burns. She is one of the owners of Pee Wee's Ice Cream in Medford, New Jersey. Um, Miranda, you have a rich history in the culinary world, and I want to thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Uh, let, our, let our listeners know, you know, how did you get started in the business? 
Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm a huge podcast junkie. So <laughs> this was like a big dream come true. Um, I, uh, I went to culinary school at the restaurant school at Wanaho College. I graduated there in 2011. Um, and I worked in and around Philadelphia uh, for most of that time afterwards. Um, working at restaurants. Um, I worked with Nick Elmy at Rittenhouse Tavern. Uh, I was the pastry chef at Stateside when it had, like, right after it had first opened. Um, I worked for Veg Restaurant Group for over five years, kind of moving in various positions throughout the company. Um, and then we started Pee Wee's in 2019, and we just opened our storefront here in Medford in December which is extremely exciting. And I didn't actually, I, I live close to the area um, and I didn't know that you, you were in there. So um, one of my fellow, one of my fellow chef friends, Dave Murray, um, let me know and introduced the two of us. So I'm excited to know that you're in there um, and, and that you, you create everything from scratch. Um, how, how is it that you went from you know, working in as a pastry chef and working in, you know, restaurants that are well known in Philadelphia um, and opening your Pee Wee's uh, ice cream shop in Medford. Like, how did you come about um, opening that? Uh, well, do you want the short story or the long story? <laughs> you, can, you can elaborate if you want. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, I'll say, so um, in, in 2018, um, my, my partner, Brian and I, we both, we're both very hard workers. He's a mechanic by trade and I, I'm a big traveler. And before I had met him, I had done a lot of traveling and he had never been anywhere. So I was like, listen, you know, let's quit our jobs, sell all of our stuff and travel and, and, you know, and see how long and how far we can go. Um, and that's what we did. Um, so he took the leap with me and we traveled, we went to Hawaii. Um, we visited family. Um, my sister was living in South Korea. Um, and then we ended up in Thailand and we were, uh, drinking one night at an outdoor bar. And, uh, one of my best friends owns Micha chocolate, which is, uh, the, one of the best chocolate shops. Um, it's in Haddonfield. Okay. And she had sent me a message and she was like, Hey, I know someone's selling all this bakery equipment. She's selling an ice cream machine and a portable freezer. And you always talked about, you know, making your own ice cream because ice cream is my favorite part of my job. Um, any restaurant that I worked at, that was the highlight of my day was thinking of ice cream flavors, making the ice cream. Um, so she was like, listen, when you come home from Thailand, she's like, I'll, I'll front you the money. I'll buy the equipment. You come home, you pay me back. And she's like, I'll get you into a farmer's market and you can sell your ice cream. I said, okay. So we started super small. You know, we, we got back home. Eventually we got jobs cause we needed it. Um, and we were just doing it in the summer of 2019, you know, making, we would start selling like 30 pints a week at the farmer's market. By the end of that summer, we were quickly selling maybe a hundred pints a week. Oh, wow. And so then yeah. <laughs> um, so then when 2020 hit and, you know, COVID happened, um, all of the restaurants in Philadelphia shut down and I lost my full-time position at the restaurant group I was at. And so Brian was like, Hey, 
why don't we take this opportunity? You know, summer's right around the corner. Farmer's markets are going to happen because they're all outside. Why don't we try to like, I don't know, grow the ice cream business. Who knows? So I did. Uh, we got more kitchen space. We signed up for more farmer's markets and we were quickly selling 200 pints a week at farmer's markets. Um, all with my little tabletop ice cream machine that would only make four pints of ice cream every 30 minutes. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was a lot. Um, and then by the end of 2020, um, we were looking for bigger kitchen space because we wanted to, you know, keep going and expand. Um, and we found out about this property in Medford. Um, we came to look at it and the whole concept really spoke to us um the fact that there's you know it's all they're all local mom like mom and pop shops you know yeah. you've got harvest coffee whole hog barbecue king's road brewery um the shops at medford mill it's all you know small businesses um local people and we just loved the atmosphere medford is a wonderful community it's a great walking town um and there's no ice cream shop in medford so we thought, why not make it our ice cream shop in Medford? So we made the deal with the landlord that day. And then it was a whole year of construction and permits because our building was completely gutted when we went into it. So it was a lot of work and a lot of trying to find material and construction costs and all of those things that were fluctuating because you know of the pandemic um but we got it built and then we were uh, we were able to open december 4th for medford's big dickens festival oh that's cute um and now speaking of festivals you know there's a lot of stuff that's going to go start happening in medford because you know the weather's getting nicer um, you know, there's going to be farmer's markets again, you know, where you're, you, you started, um, and you also have, you know, so many, you know, different purveyors that are within close proximity to you. Do you do any collaborations with your ice cream? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so one of our, I, our, I guess staples or one of the most important things about our business that we like to do is we love working with local farmers, restaurants, chefs, because New Jersey has such a great, like so many great chefs and farmers, like people overlook New Jersey a lot. And, and I was one of them. I'm not going to lie. I worked in Philadelphia for 10 years and I was all about, you know, Philadelphia and, and and then when I started making the ice cream here in New Jersey, I realized New Jersey has such amazing, such an amazing community and it just within itself. Um, so a lot of our ice creams, we source all of our fruits, all of our vegetables, our herbs, they all come from local farmers. So a lot of times like, we get people that come in now and they want strawberry ice cream. Well, I don't make strawberry ice cream right now. I only make strawberry ice cream when the farm um, has strawberries and I can go buy them and make strawberry ice cream. Um, so that's really important to us, just the community tying it all in and really like cutting down on waste. Um, one of our most popular ice cream flavors is the lavender honey vanilla bean. We actually partner with a local, <laughs> with a local apiary. And what he does is he, you know, he takes this honey 
he steeps it in the lavender and then strings it and then gives me all of that spent lavender, which I then put into the ice cream. So it's just like giving life to more things. He gets his lavender from a local farmer that his bees are also on her farm. So, it, you know, it's all connected. Um, and that's, we meet so many great people, you know, because everyone loves what they do. He loves his bees. Um, and I love learning about food. So I was able to go out and see the hives and stand in the middle of like all the bees swarming. It was like one of the coolest experiences of my life. Um, so that's, (laughs) I love apiaries, apiaries, um, because for that same reason and people, you know, thankfully I'm not allergic, (laughs) but yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, so we, it's really important to us to know where our ingredients are coming from and then making them, you know, making our customers aware of where their food's coming from. Um, And we also make a lot of um, vegan, uh, dairy-free, gluten-free ice creams. We cater to a lot of allergies. Which is very good. Um, Now, Gene is one of our chefs, so I'm sure he has some some questions for you too. (laughs) Well, Let's start by uh, going with, how about in the line of savory ice cream? Tell us a little bit about some of your, you know, different flavors that you experimented with and came up with that are a little bit more along the line of a savory item, um, you know, that, that is a new trend that a lot of people are doing. Um, and you see that a lot of, with liquors as well now with vodkas and such people are getting away from, you know, the multiple sweets. But what are your, some of your more unique flavors absolutely um i love like salty savory um so one ice cream we have in the dipping cabinet right now which is one of my favorites is a brown butter butter pecan so Mm. we you know we brown the butter so it gives it that nice nutty uh flavor and the pecans are nice and salty um we do a maple bacon bourbon ice cream which we call the swanson because of ron swanson (laughs) Um, we, I love to put bacon in ice cream. Um, I think it's not really seen a lot around here. Um, I get that a lot where people come in and, you know, we have 20 different flavors in our dipping cabinet and I would say five of them are traditional. You know, we have chocolate, vanilla, cookies and cream and mint chocolate chip, but then otherwise everything else is kind of out of the box. Um, I'm trying to think what other savory ones we have right now. I wouldn't so much say it's savory, but I know on your menu online, you have the peanut butter and chocolate one. Um, that kind yeah, of the peanut that, butter fudge squirrel. Yeah, that kind of gives you that that nutty, like, pe- well, obviously nutty because of peanut butter, but <laughs> that yeah. nutty, you know, sweet, sweet and salty. You can, because if you like, you know, after you scoop it, if you maybe drew, like put a, a little bit of a, what is the word I'm looking for? But, you know, salt on top, like, oh yeah yeah you can get that that savory sweet kind Mm -hmm. of salty oh we have a a halva ice cream right now which is one of my favorites that one is definitely more um not necessarily on the savory realm but but it's more of the out of the box yeah 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 it's funny i started many years ago with a tabletop machine a cuisinart actually a tabletop and um I used to call it bacon and egg ice cream. So I would literally do, you know, good bacon that I would just lather 
really heavy with maple sugar and crisp it up and bake it and then add it in and people would go crazy for it today you, know, you get that bake you get that maple bacon ice cream that's really one of my favorite things in the whole world and the other one that i used to love doing was a very simple one of just a good rich vanilla base and crushing up candy canes oh and, yeah yeah we do a peppermint bark in the yeah. christmas time <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a wonderful flavor so you know a, along those lines what is your favorite oh see a lot of people get disappointed but my favorite is mint chocolate chip <laughs> okay not at all it's one, it's one um, i use fresh mint in mine and then i make it super minty um because that's how i like it like i love like i obviously you get cold when you eat ice cream but i love that like peppermint cold that you get yeah it so adds an, an additional like layer of like um of joy actually yeah yeah <laughs> uh have you ever done a um tea flavored ice cream yeah so i think Two summers ago, we worked with a local tea company. Um, it's called Tea for All. They're um, in Trenton. Um, okay. And we used some of their teas. They wanted to do tea-infused ice cream bars. So we did some, like, chai. We did um, an Earl Grey. Uh, we did, like, a. they had a lemon cheesecake herbal tea. So <laughs> those were really fun. That's very cool. Now, um, what, what else, like, because you have collaborations because of the different events that are going to start, you know, happening. What, you know, is something that we are, or our listeners can look forward to that you're going to be participating in and, you know, what would be your next new flavor since you stick with seasonal? I'm sorry. It cut out for a second. Could you just repeat the question? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, I know you're fine. There, it's twofold. It's um, what is going to be one of your new flavors coming out since it's seasonal um, that you use local, you know, farms, and then, you know, what is something our listeners can look forward to with, you know, the warmer weather happening, pop-ups happening, what can we look forward to? Sure. Uh, so, I mean, we're coming into spring finally. So one of our most popular flavors is, uh, I call it lemon rhubarb pie. So it's a lemon ice cream with uh, house-made rhubarb jam that we swirl into it and then I make lemon shortbread cookies using the spent lemon from Milk Creek Apiary and um, I crush those into it so it's like punchy lemon and the you know the tartness from the rhubarb but then the sweetness from the shortbread cookies that's one of our most popular springtime flavors um, and then of course we've got strawberries coming very soon not soon enough unfortunately but we do a roasted strawberry ice cream and a strawberry shortcake ice cream. Nice. Um, so those are like big, like once people see those on the menu, they know that like summer is like almost here. Um, and then as far as events, uh, we will be at the Burlington County Farmer's Market again this year. That's every Saturday starting Mother's Day weekend until October. Um, in April, we are releasing our dog-friendly ice cream. Uh, my dog, Howie, has been working very hard on his pup cups. Um, so they will be, you know, no sugar, just like actually good ice cream for your dog to eat. Um, let's see, that's April. And then, you know, we're just gearing up for summer, um, getting ready for the scoop shop to be, you know, nice and busy. We want to have events here. 
Um, we will have outdoor picnic tables. We're ordering about 15 of them. So there's oh, going to be one. Oh, you cut out for a second. Hold on. Miranda, hold on. For the peewees and to sweet with. Okay. Some of that got cut out, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> okay. So we, we got the picnic tables and that you're going to have outdoor um, uh, events. Uh, and, I, and I think it cut out, you know, for a little bit there. Do you want me to start back over like with the events or? Um, just, you know, some of the tables on. Yeah, the uh, picnic tables and then, you know, the whole idea behind the feed mill is that people can come and relax for the whole day, you know, so you can come and grab whole hog barbecue and then grab a beer and then come to Pee Wee's and grab an ice cream and then go shopping. So it's really kind of like a, you know, a one-stop destination shop. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Um, now, Jean, I don't know if you have one last question that you want to ask. Um, but I would love to know where our listeners can find you online and um, on social, uh, in person. Sure. So online, uh, you can head to our website. It's peeweesicecream.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram, just at peeweesicecream. And then our shop is located at 57 North Main Street in beautiful Medford, New Jersey. Which is wonderful. Um, one one thing that I'm wondering, would you ever do something bold or like exciting? Like, would you do when strawberries come up, would you do stra a strawberry based ice cream and like maybe do a, a balsamic reduction to like do swirl? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. I, I'm I'm one of the, the one the people that's like, I'm a little special or extra. <laughs> where I like great taste. <laughs> yeah, that are interesting. And so, you know, I would love to be able to experience something like that or, you know, work with you on, on you know, creating, a, you know, fun, like ice cream flavor and Jean, who is absolutely amazing and talented at creating, you know, creating dishes, you know, would probably love to try not only your ice cream, but, you know, work with you. <laughs> absolutely yeah we could come up with an ice cream flavor or we really want to start doing some more like elaborate fun sundays um we started today with doing some kind of like more out of the box you know milkshakes for saint patrick's day weekend um so we're in the process of like hiring more staff um but then once that happens because i've been a pastry chef for so long you know i i miss some of those things you know creating full desserts um but we really wanted to focus on the ice cream first. And then once we were like, all right, we're solid. We've got a great staff trained. Then we can start working on, you know, like I would love to do like a sticky toffee pudding in the winter. And um, we do a cookie sundae right now, which is like um, our cookie dough is baked to order with a little scoop of ice cream on top. Um, and it's going over great. So, you know, we're, we're taking little baby steps. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Miranda, for joining us. And I look forward to trying some of those little, like, those extra baby steps as they come out. Um, and I look forward to seeing you during the summer.
Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No Miranda, thank you for your time. We look forward to a very great season filled with your ice cream. Thank you so much. I hope to see you both in the shop soon. All right. Thank you. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at ibfoodie2 or Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at arpollockus at gmail.com. And we're back. Our show likes to have some fun with food, and if you go to our archives at phillyrestaurantreviews.com in the food radio section, or if you go to your favorite podcast platform, we have done tons of shows that are information-based. Uh, We've done a trivia show, so we're going to just have some fun with uh, food facts. Gordon Ramsay lost to a prison cook in onion-cutting competition. So he offered the prisoner a job to join his restaurant after he was released. Did he cry a little bit extra? (laughs) How about this? Americans spend more time watching others cook than they do cooking for themselves. So there is more time spent watching other uh, people cook than than cooking for yourself. Did you know that a blind woman participated in MasterChef? How about that? And I saw that episode. That was actually a great episode. I mean, as long as you didn't cut any fingers off, that's fine. (laughs) Amorous, what is the difference between herbs and spices? Well, I mean, herbs are something that you get fresh and you know is a preference for most chefs because it gets gives you the best flavor whereas spices are your herbs dried out and then kind of mashed together i i use a a mortar and pestle um and mash mine and create my own spices at home like most chefs do (laughs) but uh but spices are a blend that's actually a good answer but it says herbs are the leaves of the plant and spices are the other parts of the plant except the leaves. No, I didn't know that part. Say, say we're teaching our listeners. An average person in the country of Turkey drinks seven pounds of tea every year. Wow, that's a lot of tea. Nearly 50% of the Americans who are 20 and over, like Brett, are engineer. Or us. We're 20 and over. (laughs) Eat at least one sandwich each day. Let's repeat that. Nearly 50% of Americans who are 20 years old or older eat at least one sandwich every day. How about that? Half of them. The very mention of cinema theater reminds us of popcorn. But in Colombia, dried ants replace popcorn. In China, the theater sells dried salted plums, and that is the main go-to snack at a theater in China. That that? I would be willing to try. Not so much the dried ants. (laughs) I definitely would 100% pass on the dried ants. I got something. I love this one. The most stolen food in the world is cheese. 4% of the cheese produced in the world gets stolen. Cheese is so famous that there is a black market for cheese. (laughs) Who would have thought? 
I mean, it's a, it, if you really think about it, though, some cheeses are extremely expensive. Yes, they are. And so that's... that I could understand, because especially with the, the prices of groceries right now, I'm sure people are five-finger discounting when, where they can. Not yeah. that I would recommend that. <laughs> do not do that. She's not recommending it. Fortune cookies were invented in San Francisco in the 1990s. So fortune cookies, I don't know about the date, but fortune cookies were invented in San Francisco. They're not, they have nothing to do with China. <laughs> and, and my other show, Learn About World Cuisine, I've done several episodes where if you were to take someone from China authentically and bring them to America, they would not even recognize a Chinese menu. So it's interesting. A lot of that was Americanized in San Francisco. Well, we like to make things fattier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's do a couple more, then we're going to leave. Uh, the state nut of Alabama is the pecan. They also have a state pecan festival that is held every year. Jelly and jam may look similar, but the jam is made from whole fruit. And hence it's chunky. Jelly is made from fruit juice. PhillyRestaurantReviews.com for all information about the show, Emerald's Pollock. You can find me across social media at ARPollockus, or if you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor of the show, email me at ARPollockus at gmail.com. And if you would like to get in touch with Gene Bloom, his email is ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can get in touch with him at ibfoodie on social media. Have a great week!